The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the moment in our day when we seek stillness in God's presence, guidance from the Word of God, and grace to live by faith. This is the moment when we view horizontal living from the divine perspective. For the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Now here's today's message. We hope it will be a blessing. Welcome to Beside Still Waters. We're continuing in our series asking the question, what if? And uh, that question is asked so that you might ask yourself, what if? What if you decided to throw the doors of your heart open to God and take the time to wait before him in his word, relying on his great and precious promises, and then to believe that he would do the impossible in your life and through your life. And so we're taking the time to look at specific men who took that chance, Moses, Joshua, and today the Apostle John. And I want to encourage you that it's not just these men, because these men are like us, flesh and blood, but they dared to believe in the God of the impossible. And we are told in the scriptures, in the New Testament, the book of Matthew, that with God, nothing shall be impossible. And we have a real special uh, segment today to look at the life of John briefly. But he was used to bring before the entire earth an enormous, a grand, an impossible view of the living God. And so we're going to step back and think about who John is. Of course, he's one of the apostles, one of the sons of thunder. And evidently, uh, he probably had a personality to go along with that, uh, <laughs> that uh, nickname, if you were to call it. You know, if someone called you a son of thunder, <laughs> you can only imagine. Well, in Matthew 17, we see that the Lord Jesus took Peter, James, and John and uh, took them up to a high mountain apart. And we are told uh, in that same chapter of Matthew that he was transfigured before them and his face shone as the sun and his garments became white as the light. Can't imagine what that must have been like, that being in the presence of the one that they called the Messiah, and yet they see something that is if you will, mind-blowing. How do they explain who he really is? And then you add to this view of the Lord Jesus Christ, Moses and Elijah appearing to him and all of them talking with him. And of course, Peter uh, blurts out, as Peter often does, uh, telling the Lord Jesus that it is good that we should be here. And he wanted to build three tabernacles. 
And we are told that while he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I have found my delight. I'm well pleased with him. So John was an eyewitness of the majesty, the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is reminiscent of some of the events that we saw in the life of Moses, for example, when the cloud came down and uh, stood before the tabernacle of meeting where Jehovah spoke with Moses face to face. And in that same tent, Joshua was there. So we see and learn some, some things about the nature of God that uh, he does not take into account our persons, who we are. He revealed himself to Moses, to Joshua, some of the prophets, some of the kings. He spoke to Solomon. Uh, David was a man after his own heart. Uh, Abraham was his friend. And here now, the Lord Jesus take, uh, takes three of the key men of his uh, core disciple group and simply reveals something of himself to them. And John was there. John heard the voice. He said in his writings of the gospel that we beheld his glory, the glory as of an only begotten, full of grace and truth. So John beheld not only the miracles, but the transfiguration. Now, there were moments in, in the ministry of our Lord Jesus that uh, John was protective even of the Lord Jesus and, uh, and uh, the ministry, if you will. In, in, in Mark chapter 9, for example, um, there was an incident where uh, John comes to the Lord Jesus and he says, We saw someone casting out demons in your name, but he's not following us. So he's not part of the core group. Whoever this person was that was casting out demons, he wasn't part of the core group. So we forbid him to do this. Because he doesn't follow us. He's not with us. He's not in the core group. And this is really instructive because Jesus said to him, to John, that is, don't forbid him. That no one can do a miracle in his name, that is Jesus' name, and be able to speak ill of him. So John was learning a valuable lesson about the nature of God. He is no respecter of persons. And so whoever this stranger was that believed on the name of the Lord Jesus and saw the miracles that he performed evidently caught it that it is this name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, Paul wrote, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so John learns a valuable lesson that God knows those who are his. And of course, John went on to uh, not only uh, be an eyewitness of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus and uh, part of that core group uh, on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God came down out of heaven as was promised by the Lord Jesus. And of course, the church was born at that time and they were all uh, filled and indwelt by the Spirit of God. And these 
core group of men were used to spread the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the then known world. And John had the privilege of writing concerning uh, the divinity of our Lord Jesus in the Gospel of John. And in that gospel, there were great and precious promises, our Lord Jesus being the bread of life, the door, the way, the truth. Uh, There were so many things that were stated of his person. And John was used of God to bring to us part of the sacred annals that Christians throughout the the, uh, centuries have strengthened their hearts, have uh, enlivened their faith, uh, have borne witness to changed lives. And John was also used of God to uh, write the letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, letters to encourage Christians in their walk with God and how to maintain holiness, how to maintain a relationship with God, sacred writings, uh, great and precious promises, and how to love the brotherhood. And so this former son of thunder became, if you will, a disciple with a tender heart towards the Lord's people, towards the lost. And so he presents the person of our Lord Jesus Christ in a unique way as compared to the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it becomes the basis for faith in God, an opportunity for you and me to believe on his person in a way that is deep and sacred. When we gather beside still waters, my friend, this is not just a devotional time. This is a moment when I'm seeking to encourage you, to exhort you, to deepen the sacredness of your relationship with God, that it might result in a changed life a changed life, a life that has impact, not only for time, but for eternity, not only for the benefit of man, but for the glory of God. And so John uh, was used to make a difference in his generation. But that's not all there is to uh, the life of John. You see, it doesn't come without price sometimes when we, uh, when we have placed our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes it, it results in greater suffering. Oftentimes, those in previous centuries paid a great price for uh, their allegiance, their proclaimed love for Christ. And uh, John was no stranger to this because we are told in uh, the the book that is famous, (laughs) uh, he's not the author, 
but the revelation of things to come uh, to the future or that pertains to the future was given to this disciple. And uh, he writes of himself uh, when in this book, The Revelation of Jesus Christ, uh, as the first chapter um, uh, clearly states, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to John uh, to show the servants of our Lord Jesus what must take place shortly. And so John wrote that he said, I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and patience in Jesus was in the isle called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus. So he was banished to the isle of Patmos because of the work and the witness and the preaching of the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. This was the price that this man had to pay. Separation from those he loved, from the flock that he ministered to. To be banished on a deserted island that was used by the Romans to <laughs> dissuade their prisoners concerning the path that they uh, have undertaken. And it was in this circumstance, it was during this time of suffering for the great cause of the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ that John was banished. Often, when we look back at the, the uh, uh, book of Acts, uh, these men preached concerning the resurrection. They devoted their lives to building up and uh, working with uh, Christians to enable them by the preaching and teaching of the word of God to grow into maturity as Christians. And we find in this book that John was given the history of the churches then in Asia, but uh, it, many believe that it's a history of the church uh, from its inception uh, there in Jerusalem when the Spirit of God came until the time of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But what is really important, what this particular uh, conversation is about, is not so much about uh, the sufferings of John, albeit he did suffer for the cause of Christ. But in all of his service, and all of his love, there is the what if. You see, John devoted his life fully, without reservation, to the Lord Jesus. And God saw fit when this man was banished and, if you will, punished for his faith in Christ. It was then that the Lord Jesus, the glorified, Lord Jesus revealed himself to John. And what he presented to John, what the Spirit of God did for John and through John, is to give us a view, a picture, uh, a glimpse of the almighty, unchanging, immutable, holy God of 
heaven and earth. There is no other uh, uh, view that is ever given in any holy writ about what God even looks like, what his throne is. And this vision, this glimpse was given to John. In fact, you will find it in the fourth chapter of this revelation. And, and John even wrote, after these things, he said, I saw, behold, a door opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard that was of a trumpet speaking to me simply said, come up here and I will show you the things which must take place after these. And he said, immediately I was in the spirit or I became in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven. So there's no foundation. There's no ground upon which this uh, this throne stood. But then he began to describe it, its appearance, like jasper and sardius, a, a rainbow was around it, and a throne that looked like an emerald. And he began to describe the, uh, the personages that surrounded the throne. And the fact that there were lightnings and voices and thunders and so forth. But what was important was that in the midst of the throne, there was a person that all of these creatures, these personages, were taking the time to worship. And they declared concerning this God that sat on this throne three times or repeatedly, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. John is given the most sacred scene throughout Scripture. And that scene is a glimpse of the eternal, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God of heaven and earth. And we learn that this God, this, this glimpse, this, this view that he had is a sacred view because we learn something of the nature of God that, that ought to strengthen our resolve to continue to believe to the end, to strive to deepen our relationship with this God. He is a holy God. He does not change. He is eternal. He existed before time was. And he exists in an eternal present, an eternal now. And in time to come, he shall forever be in an eternal now. And he said, holy is this God. He is the almighty, the one uh, to whom nothing is impossible. And these creatures, these personages, spent time glorifying and honoring this God who sits on this emerald throne, this eternal being. Oh, my friends, 
this God that John is taking the time to pen concerning this view, this vision, this glimpse in timelessness about the God that we often speak about and at times flippantly, the God that yearns to have and to reveal himself to us in such a way that our lives, our minds, our thinking is changed. The same God who wants to draw near to us in a secret place, a sacred place, a place beside still waters. He yearns to reveal himself to us, to change us, to deepen us. And John takes the time to write what he was beholding. And these creatures began to say that glory and honor and thanksgiving belongs to him. And more importantly, in, in verse 9, he sits on a throne. I know that in time we we lament about circumstances that seems to defeat us, that enter into our lives, that impacts us negatively and we wonder where is God in this but what John is revealing to us by the power of the Spirit of God is that this God is sovereign this God is almighty there is nothing my friends nothing that can come into our lives that have not passed through the filter of his will and his love he loves us we are told and declared with an ever lasting love. He saw us in our need before we were ever on this earth. And because he's a God of timelessness, a God who sits on a holy and divine throne, who works all things according to his, the counsel of his will, and he is at work in your life. The circumstances that you and I have passed through are not by chance, my friend. But we see the fingerprint of God and we are left puzzled because we do not understand his ways. We are told in scripture that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts not our thoughts. They are above us. And John wrote that this is the same God, the same eternal God who lives in the ages that are unfolding before us. And so these personages did him homage. They bowed themselves to him. And my friend, I want to say to you, this is the response of the heart of that person who seeks to walk with God. We pause in the busyness of our lives in the circumstances that press us and we give him the worship of our hearts, the love of our beings, the trust of our hearts. And John continued to write that this God that he is now having a glimpse of, this event that these creatures, these, this, these created beings 
are declaring that this God is worthy to receive glory, honor, power, because he is the creator of all things. He's the creator. Consider, consider carefully your life, what it has been, how you have lived, how your walk with God has been since Christ became your Savior. Like these created beings, do you sense the call in your heart to worship God, to bend the knee and the heart in his holy presence and acknowledge his sovereignty? Oh, my friend, this is a sacred scene because the Spirit of God has used John to pen these uh, sacred pages to stir our hearts to draw near to God. And these created beings declare that he is the creator and for his will they exist. I ask you today, do you see your life as having existence for the glory and pleasure of this God? How has he been using the circumstances of your life to draw you near to him, to create in your heart and mind a sense of need that compels you to seek him and to ask him to make himself real to you to ask him to make your time of meeting with him sacred, that it spills over into your life, your, the everydayness of your life. God used John uh, in such a way that from this moment, from this scene throughout the entire revelation, John is given a view of all the events that will transpire, even and including the new heaven, and the new earth. And so some of you might ask, well, what's in it for me? What good is it if I take time to meet with God and be with God and, and beseech him by his promises to make himself known and real to me? What's in it for me? A changed life. A renewed way of thinking a greater awareness of his presence in your life, his working, a greater impact on those around you, on your generation, a life of purpose and meaning, a specific work for which he created you. And so what you would find is the purpose for which he brought you into this world, that as you seek him, 
in a quiet place, a place beside still waters. What begins to unfold as the byproduct of your loving devotion is a life with meaning, a purposeful life, a life that has impact, a life that lives with the confidence that his precious promises are real and true and can be depended upon. My friend, you will never be the same again. But this devotion, this newness of life, this, uh, as the Lord Jesus promised, that this eternal life will be a wellspring springing up from your very inner being, the witness of the Spirit of God in your life. But I could sit here and tell you But I would encourage you to seek the living God for yourself and express your desire to know him. And so our Lord Jesus encouraged um, his hearers to meet with God in a closet, in a sacred place. And what transpires between you and God will be rendered Openly, In other words, what is asked in secret will be rendered in public. And so, my friends, as we think of John the Apostle and his devotion to the cause of Christ, his suffering for the cause of Christ and his kingdom, now God uses this man to provide us with the most sacred view, the greatest vision throughout the annals of the scriptures, the view of the eternal, almighty, unchanging, omniscient, omnipresent God of heaven and earth. This is the God that compels us, that calls us to meet with him beside still waters. Oh, my friend, My prayer today for you and for me is that we would seek him with all our hearts and there he promises that we will find him. Oh, Father, grant it today that those who are hungry for your presence may find that you are, in fact, a very present help in time of trouble a balm for the weary soul and that your presence would be all that we need in this life. And we ask this of you as we meet with you beside Still Waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the quiet moment in the stillness of God's presence to receive guidance, light, and grace to live by faith. I hope you've been helped and encouraged to press on living for the glory of God. It has been a pleasure and a privilege to connect with you on this podcast. To stay connected, please follow Christian Javois on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you on the next podcast of Beside Still Waters.